Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. I want to speak to you from this title, Living for Legacy. Living for Legacy. Joshua chapter 4, beginning, I'm sorry, verse 24, beginning in verse 14. The Bible says, now therefore, which is the Bible's way of saying in conclusion, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. I want you to notice that. Serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served before the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day who you will serve whether the God of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then verse 16 is the verse that is probably familiar to you because maybe you've seen it embroidered on your grandma's pillow or because it's in the frame that you bought at Hobby Lobby. It says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's say that together. Let's make that a declaration. Say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. As a young pastor, I'm aware that there are some lessons that you can only learn with age. There are some lessons in our lives that we can only learn because we have been seasoned and experienced. And in order to speak on those things authoritatively, I think it, 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 It's a prerequisite in some sense to have walked through a little bit of life. Legacy is a little bit like that. But as I was preparing for this message, I remembered, hold on, because Jesus was only 32 when he was preaching. And I thought it gives me a little bit of hope today to know that Jesus had no problem challenging everybody, regardless of what their life experience was about. And at any time that we, we gather like this, it's important that we recognize that God's word is a higher, it's a higher value than life experience anyway. That God's word holds higher authority. And it just encourages me because anytime we open up the Bible, it's not just a person's opinion that we are coming to hear. We're coming to hear the truth of God's word. Anytime we gather in a room like this, some some mystery, it's, it's not just what I'm saying, but by some mystery, it's what God is also speaking to us today. And that just, that gives me a little bit of hope because really it's not even about who's preaching this morning. It's not even really about whether you like the message or you don't like the message. It's all about the hunger that we have in approaching the living God who is speaking to us through his word. Because let me remind you, if God is speaking, then it doesn't matter what opinions we have heard this week. If God is speaking, it doesn't matter what CNN says or if Fox News says. If God is speaking, the Bible says that worlds are birthed into existence and storms stop raging and mountains can move. This is the God that we serve. And if he is speaking today, I want to come to his word hungry enough to hear his voice. Put a good amen on that. Amen. But the older I get, the more quickly I realize how, how quickly life can pass you by. I was traveling this week and I was um, home in Chicago for a friend's wedding. And it, it's been a number of years since I had seen some um, old friends. And it's, it's always crazy to watch how just a few years, what seems like can pass you by, how quickly things change in people's lives. And there was a moment where um, one of my friend's daughters, she's 12 years old now. 
And she, I, had, I hadn't seen them in, in a number of years. And uh, we came up to introduce her. And her dad said, Tess, you remember Cody and Tyler, right? And she looked at us like we were just the weirdest people. And she's like, no, I don't remember them. And I, I, I had a moment. I had, I had the moment where I go, well, I remember you when you were this. And it, lit, it stopped me in my tracks. It stopped me in my tracks. And it was almost like the camera zoomed out and I saw myself in third person. And immediately I go, oh my God, I am that guy. I'm at that age now. I remember you when you were this big. How many have ever done that before? It's always a sobering thought when you realize you are becoming your parents. It's always, it's a sobering thing. And in fact, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in James chapter four, that life is like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is what your life is. The way the Bible measures your life is like a mist. It's only a little while. It's like the fragrance that you put on this morning. Hopefully when you were getting ready, you made sure before you left the house that you smell good. And it's at this moment that you're aware of how your neighbor smells, whether they put on their fragrance or not. But you sprayed that bottle and with seconds, within seconds of that mist appearing, it was gone. And the only thing that remained was its effects. The Bible says, let me show you this. The Bible says this, that this, this is a picture of your life. That's your life. Just, you see it and then it's gone. You're like, what the heck, man? I thought this was supposed to be encouraging. This is your life. This is, this is important that we recognize what the Bible says about the life that you will live. The amount of years that you spend on this earth is just this. It's here one moment and it lasts for a little while, but then it goes. You may be in the room today and you say, well, you don't understand. I'm, I'm building a big business. Let me show you your business. <laughs> well, I have, I have like 300,000 followers on Instagram. Let me show you 300,000. Well, you know, I drink celery juice every morning. Okay, okay. Well, I only shop raw and organic, and I take care of myself, and I, I work out every day. Okay, fine, fine. This is your life. It's a miss that lasts only for a little while. And the Bible isn't being cynical or pessimistic as though everything is meaningless, but it's trying to help us to understand that the value of our life is not what is seen. The value of our life is not just what is looked at or what it feels like. The only lasting effects is its fragrance, its effect. It's what lasts after it's gone. This is the value of your life. And so it, the only thing that will remain of our lives is not the, 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 the time spent here, but the effect that that time had. One person said, it's not the, the, the amount of time of years, but it's about the amount of life in those years that we have. This is, this is the, the important that we realize. Even Psalm chapter 90, it says that uh, verse 12, the Bible says, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. 
Living wisely is, is to live in such a way that makes a difference with the short time, the short mist, the vapor that I have to make a difference that that somehow leaves a fragrance that lasts into eternity. To spend the life that I have that, that, that makes a difference, that I want to live for legacy. Wise living says I want to live for the sake of eternity. I want to take the short time that I have now and use it in a way that lasts long after I'm gone. This is what legacy is. In other words, legacy, my question to us today is what will be left when you are gone? Legacy is what is left when you are gone. And that's the setting I want us to help to understand Joshua chapter 24 in the text that we read this morning. Joshua is a special character in the scriptures because he comes on the scene in the book of Exodus as an assistant to Moses. Joshua, uh, the Bible says everywhere Moses went, Joshua would follow. And it's cool because Joshua kind of got this up close and intimate picture into the special relationship that God had with Moses. Moses was called a friend of God. And Joshua got to see up close a front row seat to this relationship. And as the story continues, Joshua gets an assignment in Numbers chapter 13. Joshua is a part of the 12 spies who go into the promised land and who observe, is this the land that God has given us? And they begin to scope it out and they go to see if they are ready to step into it. The Bible says that 10 men feared for their lives. And they said, there is no way that we can enter this land. The people are too strong for us. In fact, it says that we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. I want to tell somebody today, it matters how you see yourself in the face of opposition. It matters how you see yourself when you're in a battle because it's called a messy mindset. And I've learned that the measure of your faith will determine the measure of your life. 10 men let, let fear determine their faith, but Joshua and Caleb trusted God enough to say, we gotta go. They trusted God enough to say, even though it's hard, even in the face of impossibility, even, looks, even when it looks like there is no way through, I know the God that I serve and one of his names is a way maker. So even though it seems like there is no way, my God can make a way. Even when it seems impossible, our God specializes in the impossible. Even when it seems Seems like everything is dead. Our God is a God of resurrection life. Come on, clap your hands and celebrate God today. This is the God that we serve. And the people, they trusted the majority report. They listened to fear over faith. And that actually is the reason why the Israelites had to wander through the desert for 40 years. If you're wondering what the disobedience was, why did it take them so long in the wilderness? This was the reason. Is because God gave them a promise and they chose to, to see fear more than they saw faith. And so God, he, he, he says, because a generation failed to believe me, they'll pass away before they make it to the promise. And I'm gonna start fresh with a new generation through, through, the, through Joshua and his leadership. And so think about this this morning. Joshua, he wandered through the wilderness with those people too. For 40 years, Joshua was side by side knowing he, he didn't have like a, a, a cynical attitude. Joshua very easily could have folded his arms and say, well, I told you so. I told you it was going to be this way. But Joshua didn't do that. 
Joshua didn't complain. Joshua, he had a different spirit. Joshua, he had a different way of approaching this. He, he, he had a different perspective, a different attitude. Joshua, he didn't see the wilderness as difficulty. Joshua saw the wilderness as development. What I love about Joshua is because before he ever led anything, before he led well, he followed well. And while everything around, everybody around him was complaining, everybody was fearful and doubtful, Joshua invested his effort into learning. He invested himself into training. And I've learned in my life that so often the best classroom is learning what not to do. How many are with me on that? The best, sometimes the best classroom that God can bring you in is not just telling you what to do, but showing you what not to do. I've learned so much more in my life from observing what not to do. And some of us in the room today, I just want to say we are faced in a season of difficulty. Maybe it feels like you are aimlessly wandering throughout your life. But if you can just change your perspective and to see that God is using this as a school to prepare something in you that you're going to need when you get to the future of your promise, something tells me you would begin to see your season a whole lot different. If you could see the season that you're in, not as difficult, not as frustrating, not as a missed opportunity, not as, oh, I told you so, but you could see it as God's development and God's training and God's preparation for your future. Something tells me we'd have a whole lot more hope for the place in life, a whole lot more faith for the season of life that we are in. And Joshua, by the time that we enter the book, the mantle gets passed. In fact, Joshua, the book opens in chapter one with God speaking, and he says, Moses is dead. Joshua assumes leadership in the face of loss. And Joshua, God says to him, it's your turn now. And just as I was with Moses, I need you to be strong because I'm going to be with you. God essentially says to Joshua, get on your boots because it's your turn now. It's time to step into purpose. It's time to step into the authority that's on your life. And Joshua does this. He, he does amazing things. He, he leads the people into the promised land. But that young leader is not the same Joshua that we read about in chapter 24. Because by this time, a whole lifetime has passed. Joshua is now at the end of his life. In fact, in just a few verses, Joshua will pass away. And so these are his famous last words. And Joshua, he says, now in his legacy, comes to the people and says, choose today who you will serve. Joshua's last words, what I hear Joshua saying now as an older man is he's saying, determine what your life will be spent on. Choose how you live your life. And here's the first thing I want you to see. I want you to see that endurance it requires passion and authenticity. Living a life of legacy, enduring, persevering, it requires passion and authenticity. Notice what Joshua says. He says, fear the Lord and serve him in all sincerity and faithfulness. Another translation says, serve him in sincerity and truth. I think Joshua says, I've done this long enough to know that it's only gonna last if it's the real thing. It's only going to last if it's the real thing. Joshua says, if you just live your life divided, if you live with one foot in and one foot out, always faltering or, or, or trying to walk the line or never really being too bought in or trying to go back and forth depending on your feelings or depending on which way the wind of culture blows or depending on the opinions of other people or depending on what culture says about you, then you will not make it. 
Joshua says, serve the Lord with sincerity and with truth. You're gonna go, if you're going to go the distance, you need passion and you need authenticity. I want to suggest to you today that these two ingredients are the essential ingredients for living a life of legacy. The whole life, the whole time of your life, the myths that you have, use it in a way that is passionate and authentic. That's how you build a life that lasts. That's how you build a marriage that lasts. It's passion and authenticity. That's how you build relationships that last. That's the kind of drive that endures. Those are the kind of commitments that endure, that persevere through the end. And by the way, you need both. It's not enough to just have one or the other. Joshua said, serve the Lord with sincerity and with truth. You need passion and you need authenticity. Let me say it to you this way. You need a fire and you need follow through. That's what I think Joshua is saying. Let me show you this. I was reading the, the very first Olympic Games in Greece. They say that the, the, what we know today as the opening ceremony began in the very first Olympics as a relay. And it didn't begin with all the pomp and circumstance and pageantry that we know of. The event was similar to the four by four relay. But instead of carrying a baton, they ran with a torch in their hand. And the idea, it's where we get the, the idea of the Olympic torch, although that's, that's gasoline that's keeping that thing aflame. But they had a, a, a real torch, and they said the objective of the race was not simply to see who could finish the fastest, but to make sure that when you finished, you did so with your flame still burning. I thought to myself, that's the way I want to live my life. I want to live my life when I get to the very end and I cross the finish line that my flame is still burning. In other words, it's not just about how quickly you are running, but about the endurance. And I got to finish with my fire still lit. I got to make sure that in my life, the hard times don't put my fire out. I got to make sure that when I'm running this race called life, that I do so with the passion that's still burning in me, that I do so with the zeal as when I first started, that I don't neglect my first love as Revelation said, that I begin to walk this life with endurance and with passion and to know that the zeal on the inside of me, the flame is still burning. Hear me today. You can either have an empty life or you can have an emptied life. An empty life says, I'm going to live in for whatever I think is going to make me happy. I'm going to try and find fulfillment in whatever it is I'm looking for. But an empty life says, I'm going to give it all for the one thing that really matters. I'm going to pour my life out, as Paul said, like a drink offering in the purpose of God, in the purpose of building his kingdom. So choose today. Do you want an empty life or do you want to live with an emptied life? To live in such a way that the fire is still alive, that you would throw everything aside that would try and distract you. And Paul says this in Philippians, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. And I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ God has called me heavenward in Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to keep my eyes on the prize. To know that I'm living my life with one thing in mind, that I fix my eyes on Jesus and I run the race with endurance, that I got the passion that's still inside of me. But you can't just have passion. You also need authenticity. And I would say to you, there is no longevity without authenticity. 
In other words, you can't fake it until you make it. It might be good advice for a job interview, but it's terrible advice for building a legacy. You can't fake it because if you fake it, you won't make it. I remember a couple of years ago, I went with my parents for the first time to New York City. And you would be amazed. When you go to New York City, they have these like boutiques right on the sidewalk. And they're there and they're selling. I mean, you can get anything. You get Louis Vuitton, Prada, there's Versace. It's all, it's like, they, they got Bottega. They got it all right there. And I'm walking by and I'm like, hold on a minute. You can get this for less than cost of production. And you ever, you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen these? It's like, it's, the deal is too good to be true because it's not true. I remember I was in high school and I thought, you know what? I'm going to impress my girlfriend. And I got a Prada bag. And I went home and she was so impressed for like six weeks. And then what began to happen is you look a little bit closer and as the seams are coming undone and you notice that it, it, the P actually looks more like an F. Does that say Frada? Not Prada. And all of a sudden, you realize the zippers are breaking and the thing is falling apart. Why? Because it's not the real thing. I want to tell you today, it's only the real thing that lasts. Authenticity has endurance. Truth always perseveres. You know, one of the most convicting verses to me in the Bible is John chapter 1, verse 47. It's when Jesus calls Nathaniel. Oh, you forgot about Nathaniel, didn't you? You know about Peter and John and James, but what about Nate Dog? We forget about him. <laughs> Jesus sees him, and when he sees Nathaniel for the first time, Jesus, who always looks to our hearts, says this. He says, he saw him coming towards him, and he says, behold, an Israelite indeed, who, in whom there is no deceit. What a challenge. That in our heart, there's no false pretense. There's no opportunism. There's no trying to work an angle to get what we really want and to leverage. There's no, there's no false way within him. There's no ulterior motive. There's no attempt to try and pretend like you're something when you're not. There is no deceit. I, I, let me just say it to you the way that God has said it to me so many times in my life. Don't be sneaky. So many times I feel like the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and said, don't be sneaky. That's what I think Jesus is saying about Nathaniel. Listen, if you're going to leave a legacy, don't be sneaky because it won't last. If you fake it, you won't make it. There is no longevity without authenticity. And we've all seen the effects. Let me just speak about people in my industry. You know, 90% of pastors don't make it to the end. There's many reasons for that. But we've all seen the effects of what happens when pastors either lack authenticity or passion and they're disqualified because of it. Joshua said, if you want to leave a life that really makes a difference, live for the kingdom, to make a difference in eternity that lasts way beyond your time here, if you're going to be in this for the long haul, then you need passion and you need authenticity. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Priorities are pre-decisions. Priorities are pre-decisions. Notice the scripture says, choose this day who you will serve. Choose today. 
You gotta make a decision. You gotta have a sense of resolve, knowing that what you will give yourself to serve. And hear me, we, we are all serving something. Whether you acknowledge this or not, we are all serving something. Paul says something to the effects of, I, I choose my chains. I either am chained to sin as a slave to sin, or I become a slave to Christ as my master. Joshua says, I choose today who I'm going to serve. It's a, it's a pre-decision because if you wait until tomorrow, if you wait until you have all the details or the data, then it's going to be too late. I think so often we get confused or we get caught up in asking God for the big decisions and asking for God to direct us. And I, I wonder how many times God is just like, he sees us and, he, and he's like, yes, I'm gonna direct you and yes, I'm gonna lead you, but I care so much more about who you are becoming than where you are going. I care so much more about who you are serving than what you're doing. I wonder how many of the big decisions can be sorted out by simply getting this revelation into our heart that I have made a decision to honor God. And if my priority is to honor God, let me just encourage somebody in the place. It would be impossible to make the wrong decision. If your priority is to honor God, it is impossible to make the wrong decision. And let me just bring freedom to you. If you're struggling with a decision today, wondering what the next business move is gonna be, wondering what school you're going to, wondering if you should enter this relationship, the priority is on making a decision that honors God with every step. And if that's your heart, then it's impossible to end up in the wrong place. I wanna suggest to you that every priority that we have is a pre-decision. Hang on, man, I got a lot more to get through before you start playing like that. (laughs) Give me five minutes. Every priority is a pre-decision. You got to decide what you let into your heart. You got to decide what you hold on to. You got to make a decision about what you let go of. You got to make a decision about what you remember and a decision about what you leave behind. A decision about what you value. A decision about what your life is spent on. Hear me today. Priorities shape your purpose. It would be really hard to live with a purpose without a set of priorities that match that. Here's a great example. Tithing is a pre-decision. If my priority is to obey God and to trust him with all my life, including my finances, then I've got to decide in advance that the first 10% belong to him. Tithing is a pre-decision. And if you want to live a life that is supernaturally blessed, then you need to live a life that is supernaturally obedient. It's a pre-decision. I want to encourage you to do that today because it's, it's not even really about the money. God doesn't need your money. It's about the priorities of your heart. That's what God is looking for. Tithing is a pre-decision. I can't discipline my heart in that today. Then it gets so much harder later on in my life. You got to make a decision to commit to sexual purity even before you're tempted, whether you're married or single, by the way, because as a single person, you stay pure. And as a married person, you stay faithful and you make a commitment to sexual integrity way before you're tempted. In fact, integrity by any means is made up of pre-decisions. There are some things that I have resolved not to do. There are some decisions that I've 
I have told myself I'm not even going there. I'm not even letting that in. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or fellowship has light with darkness? Now, I know, we don't understand the yoke because we're not farmers. I know some people are like, we talking about getting yoked? Like, I can't work out with unbelievers now? What are we talking about? That's not what Paul is saying. Go ahead. Get yoked. Paul is, you know what a yoke is? It's, it's, a, it's a farming tool in which they would, they would lock in two oxen together in order that the, the, the strength of their work could be far more effective and, and far more uh, powerful by doing it together than if they were separate. It's, it's a great example Paul uses in 2 Corinthians of a pre-decision that I'm not gonna commit myself to life with, or to yoke myself up with anybody else who doesn't share my priorities. Because what would happen is if, if, if you were yoked, if one ox was stronger than the other, it would always pull to the direction of the stronger side. And what would happen is that it would end up going in zigzags or worse, in circles. And can I suggest to you today, maybe the reason you feel like you're always going in circles in your life, maybe the reason why you're always wondering, why am I struggling with the same thing? Why am I faced with the same issues, dealing with the same drama here again at the same place at the end of 2023 that I was at the end of 2022? It's not because you don't have a dream for your life. It's not because you don't have faith for your future. Could it be maybe you've gotten yourself yoked up to some wrong people? And it's not because they're bad people. It's because you got to make a pre-decision that says, I'm not going to yoke myself up with somebody who doesn't share my priorities. I'm not going to commit myself and get in any kind of commitment with people who don't share my purpose for where my future is going. Too many times I've seen this where there has been pain and heartbreak, where I've connected myself with people who don't share my purpose and I end up going in a direction that I never wanted to go. Just make the pre-decision today. Decide in advance. I'm not going to get myself in a situation that will cause me to compromise my commitment to Christ. That's what that verse means. I'm not going to get into a situation where I've got to compromise my integrity. I'm not going to go to the same places that I always used to go to. I got to unhook myself from some people that I used to hang out with, not because they're evil people, but because they don't share the vision with what God is calling me to do. And I know the life that God is calling me to live requires a different level of consecration. It requires a different level of separation. So it's a pre-decision. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not taking that text anymore. I'm not going to that place anymore. It's a pre-decision. Why? Because it is my priority to honor God. This is what we see in Joshua. Joshua didn't have almost faith. He didn't say, well, you know, God, we, we almost obeyed you. Oh, we tried our best. No, no, no. Gosh, Joshua didn't have selective listening. He didn't have selective obedience. He didn't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God and I'm going to obey God when it's convenient for, may, for me. Joshua made the pre-decision. Let me tell you today, legacy doesn't happen by accident. It's an intentional decision. It's a pre-decision. If my priority is to honor God, then there are some things that I have to decide today. Choose today what I'm serving. Choose today what I'm building. Choose today what I'm spending my life on. Choose today where I'm going. And the last thing I want you to see 
is that the blessing is bigger than you. And here's the part we all know. The Bible says, Joshua, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua has done this consistently. He's done this intentionally. But anybody who's ever led anything knows that you can't lead without a cost. There's a pain involved in leadership. I think it's because, maybe we'll talk about this another time, but potential has a price tag. There's a cost to leading like this. There's a cost to, to these decisions. And Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He's endured this his whole life without getting cynical or bitter. It's not like Joshua gets in front of the people for his legacy speech and the famous last words says, you know what? I'm tired of you guys. You're always messing up. So just you do your thing and me and my house, we're going to be over here. That's not what Joshua says. He's still there at the very end of his life with passion and with authenticity, with the decision, encouraging people, serve the Lord, obey the Lord. And this is what I want you to see. The story of Joshua is not just a biography. The story of Joshua is a testimony. You say, what's the difference? A biography ends with what the person did, but a testimony ends with what God did. This is a testimony. This is Joshua's testimony. It was bad. And we faced opposition. People went all kinds of crazy. And we wandered around the wilderness for four decades in disobedience, wondering if God had forgotten about us. But when God stepped in, I wonder how many people that's their testimony today. When God stepped in, all of a sudden, my life began to be redeemed. All of a sudden, God rescued me. He lifted me. He saved me. He put my feet upon the rock to stand on when it seemed like I was always living on shaky ground. That's the testimony. And look, this is the real miracle because Joshua has done this his whole life and it wasn't about Joshua. He says, it's me and it's my house. I want to tell you today, you never know what blessing is on the other side of your obedience. Let me say it this way. You never know whose blessing is on the other side of your obedience. You never know whose blessing is on the other side. That's the thing about legacy. It impacts everybody that you influence. Proverbs 13 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's why I love what we're going to do here today. We're, we're celebrating baptisms. You know what that is? That's a choice. It's not even about the moment. You could, listen, you could get in the water today and as soon as you get up, all, it's, the water isn't the power. You could get in the water and you're just a wet sinner, okay? <laughs> the power is the decision to say from this day forward, I'm committing my life to serving the Lord. It's a decision. It's not even about me. When we give as we will in a couple of Sundays, we're not giving for us. We're giving for the people that are after us. Giving for the next generation. We're giving to legacy. We have moments like this. The reason we do Sundays like this is to encourage you. That your, your, your children, they need more than your stories. They need a good example. Listen, if a, if, if a picture is worth a thousand words, then a life is worth 10,000 words. And your life, the way that you are living, the example that you set, 
the decision, the commitment, the priorities that you have. It's the best sermon that anyone can ever hear. I need my kids not to just hear what I'm saying. I need them to see the life that I'm living. And the inheritance, I know, I know we want to leave an inheritance of security and stability and of wealth. But let me tell you today, the greatest inheritance you can ever leave your children is a spiritual inheritance. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest gift you could ever give. It's a decision that says, I have been faithful, passionate, and authentic in serving God for my whole life. And look, at it wasn't just Joshua that was blessed for that. His whole house was blessed for that. I was thinking about my own life. I was thinking about my legacy. Because you know what? My, 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 my parents weren't in ministry. In fact, I have, I have early memories of my parents not being in church, not knowing God. It wasn't until 1999 that we moved to the Chicagoland area. It was the first time where both of my parents had to work. My mom was looking for an after-school daycare program for me. She stumbled upon, this is, we're going to divide the room right now. Are you ready for this? She, she went into an AOL chat room. How many remember that? She gets into an AOL chat room. And she just says, has anyone heard of good options for after-school care? And one person chimed in, says, you should check out this church. They have a great program on Wednesday nights. And my mom wasn't a Christian at this point. My parents weren't living for God. I was in sixth grade. And all of a sudden, my mom, she's like, you know what? On a, on a maybe, I'm just going to try it. And she dropped me off at the junior high program. And probably because she didn't really trust people too much, she stayed for the service. And in one moment, my mom gets radically saved, encounters the presence of God, and her life is changed forever. And she keeps dragging me for like six months. I just, I just thought it was cool. I didn't know what I was doing. But there was a moment where, where I wanted to go to the junior high camp. And you know what? I was, my mom said, she had been saved for like six months. She said, if you want to go to the junior high camp, then your dad needs to be your camp counselor. And my dad went, but he wasn't a Christian. Now, to this day, as a pastor, I don't know who made the decision to let a non-Christian lead the cabin at youth camp, but my dad was there. And the first night, the pastor gets up and gives a salvation altar call, and it was like something ignited in my heart, and I ran down to the altar, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I turn around, and my dad is standing right behind me, giving his life to Jesus. This is the power. And you know what? That one AOL chat room changed the legacy of my life and my children and my children's children. This is the power of a decision. This is the power of legacy. Hear me today. You never know whose obedience, whose blessing is connected to your obedience. You never know what's on the other side of you just saying yes to Jesus to make it a priority today. Come on, let's stand to our feet. The decision to say, God, I'm going to be obedient to you, whatever you ask, because the blessing is bigger than you. I want to say that to somebody today. The blessing is bigger than you. When it seems hard, when it seems like you don't have the strength to keep going, listen to me. The blessing is bigger than you. 
when it feels like all hope is lost, when it feels like you don't know what your next step is, hear me today. It is worth it. Why? Because the blessing is bigger than you. Legacy, what we're talking about is generational. And here's my challenge to us today as a church. It's Joshua's challenge to say, choose today who you will serve. Choose right about how you spend your life. It's time to make a decision. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around in this moment. The mystery of a moment like this is I know that as I have been speaking, the Holy Spirit has also been speaking. And each Sunday we take the time to make, a, make this a priority in the house, to give people the space to encounter God and to make a decision to choose today who they are serving. And really simply, as we close here in a moment, I simply want to know if you walked into this place Prior to coming to church this morning, you wouldn't have considered yourself a follower of Jesus. You're tired. You've been looking for fulfillment, wondering what the purpose of your life is, looking for meaning in every place that you can. But by some miracle, there's been a tug on your heart. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you. And the challenge today is to make a decision that from this day forward, I'm not doing things my way. I'm following in God's way. Maybe the beautiful thing in this moment is to have a family, dads who are willing to be leaders, moms who are willing to be leaders, grandparents, who that's their testimony to say, we are choosing today that as for us, for this household, for our generation, for the blessing that is beyond us, we're making a decision to follow Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to commit myself to following Jesus, to laying down my way and to doing it God's way. The Bible says it's really easy. It's just as simple as ABC, to admit that I'm a sinner, to believe in Jesus and to confess with my mouth that he is Lord, which just means that he's the boss now. He's in control of my life, not me. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, maybe on behalf of your family, you want to take this stand, make a decision, and to put your foot down and say, we will serve the Lord. I simply want to know who it is I'm praying for. Can you just lift your hand right now across the room? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, thank you, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, hallelujah. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer if we can. And listen, if you're near your spouse, would you grab their hand right now? Let's make a decision as a church. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you, you died for me. You took my sin and my shame. And you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth and a legacy beyond me. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my way to follow you. Now let's say this, say God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper and heaven is my home. In Jesus name we pray and all God's people said amen. Come on, let's clap today and celebrate each of those people. Incredible. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.